This podcast is being brought to you by the Jefferson County Sheriff's Office. Mark Petway, Sheriff. Lenise O. Washington is a resident of Bessemer, Alabama, and serves as the District Attorney for the 10th Judicial Circuit of Jefferson County, Bessemer Cutoff Division. She was formerly employed as a prosecuting attorney with the Bessemer District Attorney's Office and worked with the Bessemer DA's Office from February 2002 until February 2010 when she resigned her position to run as a candidate for district judge. She's a 1995 cum laude graduate of Miles Law School, received her BS degree from Auburn University at Montgomery, and is a product of the Birmingham Public School System, where she graduated from A.H. Parker High School in 1986. D.A. Washington's judicial appointment on February 15, 2011, by the Bessemer City Council led to her appointment as presiding judge over the Bessemer Municipal Court. Additionally, she had an active law practice, served as appellate prosecutor for Irondale Municipal Court, as well as hearing officer for the Jefferson County Personnel Board. I want to get to my favorite part. The 2016 election year historically defined D.A. Washington as the first black woman to be elected as district attorney in the state of Alabama, as well as first black woman to be elected as district attorney in Jefferson County. In her elected role as chief law enforcement officer for Jefferson County, Bessemer Cutoff, D.A. Washington has indeed shattered the proverbial glass ceiling, overcoming racial and gender barriers that have existed since the inception of our state. I skipped a lot of that bio because I want to talk about it specifically. Yes. In addition to her legal and civic duties, D.A. Washington is a wife, mother, and Christian. She and her family are members of New Bethlehem Baptist Church, and she is married to one of my best buddies, my homie, my prayer partner, my friend. He's a bully. He tried to beat me up, but we'll get into that. We'll get into that later. But D.A. Washington. Yes. Tell me a joke. Oh, oh, oh. Let's see. Let's see. What what joke? Because, you know, I don't do jokes. Let's see. Let's think of one. Okay, so why do we tell actors always to break a leg? Why do we tell actors to break a leg? You don't know. Why? Because every play has a cast. (laughs) (laughs) I just cracked myself up. We like it. We're going to take that one. All right. Well, um, I think it's my turn. Um, Why was the number five afraid? Uh, Wait. Hold on. 
<laughs> why was why were all of the numbers uh-huh. afraid of? <laughs> I forgot the joke. The seven eight nine. This that's, that's the <laughs> that's the punchline. All right. <laughs> Let okay. me help you today. <laughs> help my brother. Ms. Lanise, why were all of the other numbers afraid of the number seven, That's not five? It. That's it. Why were they? Because seven, eight, nine. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. So we have been laughing since we walked in the door talking about Jude. Yes. And so we're going to go ahead and let Eric off the hook until we, you're going to tell your fondest memory. Well, it may not be your fondest memory, but we're going to use this story <laughs> as your fondest memory of me. So tell tell about the story of being Jude and Jude almost beat me up. So we were um, at a restaurant down on the south side and we're standing in line and waiting to be seated and I saw, I actually saw Iva coming at Jude, but he didn't see. And my, my husband, he's, um, let's see, he, he, he. Shell shock. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You know, that PTSD kind of thing. And so Iva came up behind him and, and. And reached out to touch him and then grab him. And Jude turned around and his eyes were bucked and he was about to knock Iva the now, out. Now, you, that's funny enough, but you ha- she, she didn't set it up enough. How I'm tall sorry. is Jude? Oh, my husband is 6'3". <laughs> Jude is 6'3", a good 240. I mean, he is... And he could really toss me like a rag doll. And it, he was about to. And he was really about to. You know yes. what I'm saying? It was, oh, man. Iva was like, you know, you know, like that kid. You know, he was just playing, you know, just coming up there and going to squeeze him in from behind, man. All I saw was Jude's eyes bucked, and I knew what was coming. <laughs> and when he saw Iva, he was like, okay, okay, man, you just don't know. <laughs> But that was, I mean, that was really, that was awesome. That was, it was an epic moment. It really was. It really was. Um, Tell us the love story. I want to know how you met Jude and how, you you know, either how you met or the proposal. We want to hear the love story. The love story. We haven't heard a good love story in a minute, you know? Oh, now, you know, my story and his story, and knowing Jude, it would be somewhat different. <laughs> right. It would be somewhat different. But um, both of us had, had gone through divorces. Okay. Um, and he was going. I was already done. Mm-hmm. And I, at that time, I was serving as an assistant district attorney at mm-hmm. the office that I now serve as district attorney. And I was assigned to juvenile court. Okay. And Jude um, worked for, and still is, worked for Jefferson County Sheriff's Office. Mm -hmm. And he was um, in charge of transporting, transporting those juveniles from um, the detention center in Birmingham. Mm -hmm. Because we don't have a detention center for juveniles in the Bessemer Cutoff. Okay. So we have one detention center in Birmingham. And so he and another deputy were uh, assigned to bringing them to court. So we would see one another, and I'd say hi, 
And um, there was another young lady that's an assistant DA. She's one of my career prosecutors that's assigned to juvenile court. And I told her, I said, hmm, he's, he's cute. And, you know, but it didn't go anywhere from that. And <laughs> now this is the part that I don't agree with, but I'm going to tell this part <laughs> of the story. Okay. So Jude says, you know, he was thinking the same thing about me. And he said one day we were in the elevator. He was coming back from uh, taking one of the juveniles to, to court, and I was on the elevator. And I remember this day. I was a little upset. Okay. Um, and so he was like, Miss Powell, because I was Powell then. Uh-huh. And I was like, Mr. Washington. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, he said he thought about that bitch. <laughs> right. <laughs> And I really wasn't dissing him. Right. I was just, it was just a bad moment. It was, right, you know, we right. were, I think I was in trial that day and something didn't go right. So, yeah, yeah. Um, and then later we went to lunch. Um, it was two of the other prosecutors that were in court and me and Jude. And we went to lunch and um, then we started going to lunch, just he and I. Okay. And it just evolved into um, a good relationship. But I, I have to say this, that, hmm. that thing that won me over it was one day we were together, and he just looked at me. He said, may I kiss you? Oh, and that oh. was it. That was it. I mean, this man, actually, we had been on several dates and, you know, just laugh and talk. And he asked. You know, sometimes yeah. you, you just feel that you can do it. You yeah. just kiss a person, and yeah. you just look at them, and, you know, that Hollywood style. Right, right. But he asked. He said, can I kiss you? I was like, boy, yes. <laughs> Y'all ought to see him pulling up. <laughs> oh, you can get it. <laughs> that is so wonderful. But that really, to be totally honest, that yeah. won me over. Jude, um, one of the things that I love most about him is, um, you know, I don't have to, we, he and I, Danny, uh, Walt, mm-hmm. We don't put up airs. No. We're very transparent and very open with one another. And I just, I can see him doing that because he's a, he's a, in my opinion, he's a man's man because he's able to articulate himself. Yes. And he's able to show emotion. He's able to do those things. And I just, you know, I, I love him so much as a brother and as a friend, I can only imagine what, a love from a husband like yes. him would be like. You he's know? a good guy. He yeah. really is. With PTSD and all that stuff, he's, <laughs> he's a good guy. When he's on he his really meds, he's real is. good. <laughs> he really is. Now, as it relates to um, when I first met you, mm-hmm. you were, I think, ju- you were running for, for judge. A district judge for district judge. Yes, right. And then um, you got appointed as the ju- judge for the city of Bessemer. Right. I didn't. But win tell me, that. tell us what happened while you were running for judge. So in 2010, yeah. um, I decided to run for district judge. Right. And that is the seat right now that Judge Deborah Winston. Um, she holds that seat. My mm-hmm. good friend. And when I ran um, during that time, I had to relieve, I had to uh, resign my post at the DA's office as an assistant DA in order to run. 
And, you know, my boss was like, well, you know, you don't you don't have to resign, but you just can't work here mm-hmm. and and run. Mm-hmm. So, I, you know, I prayed about it and I, you know, I was like, OK, if I if I leave, that's that's a whole salary. Right. And so I prayed about it and I told Jude, I said, you know, I'm thinking about running for district judge. I said, but but just putting it out there, just hold on. And um, I, I had peace about it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, God has a sense of humor. You know, we think he's going, he's approving us to do one thing and he'll do something totally different. Completely. Completely. Um, And so Jude, uh, and during that time, the Jefferson County Sheriff's Office, they were laying deputies off. That was during that period. Mm -hmm. So he took a defense contract Mm -hmm. and went to Iraq. Well, before he left, I mean, he was talking like, well, you know, um, I think I'm going to do this, and I, I was totally against it because mm-hmm. it was so volatile in, in Iraq at that time. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was like, you know, I, I don't think you should go. And he was like, you know, we need to live. We, we You know, what happens if I'm, I'm, I'm laid off, you mm-hmm. know? So I, you know, I conceded. I said, okay, just, just go and just make sure that I'm, you know, on the insurance policy, and I'm okay. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> so um, he did. He left, but before he left, um, I had been going because my job was to campaign. Mm-hmm. I had, you know, resigned my position. So that was my job. Mm-hmm. And I had come back from speaking at a place and at an engagement. And I was sitting in, in on our bed in our bedroom and the TV was on. And I was just kind of, whoa, Yeah. And there was an infomercial about how women should do self-check for breast cancer. And I'm sitting there and fully clothed. I had my suit on and I kind of I did like this and I was like mm, I'm, I'm not okay I'll just talk to my doctor late, later and later kind of just went just it just extended it, 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 it just Put kept it putting it off and you mm-hmm. know I would I would um be someplace and and in in the um um getting ready to speak and I'm like okay oh dog I forgot to call my right, doctor it's right. too late it's too early whatever so I finally did and it was before he left and she was like, okay, we'll just do an ultrasound. And, you know, not thinking anything about it. Mm-hmm. The ultrasound results came back. And so um, she did not tell me that she thought that it was cancer. She just referred me to the Brookwood Breast Clinic. Mm-hmm. And at that time, um, my Jude was gone, and I'm still just trucking along. And my sister-in-law goes with me to my appointment. And the doctor there, she has the ultrasound, and she's like, oh, yeah, that's cancer. I'm looking at the ridges on the outside. You know, that's cancer. And I was stunned. It was like. So she thought you knew. Yes, and I didn't. So I'm sitting in the treatment room, and my sister-in-law is with me, who is basically my sister. We, yeah. She's known me since, and I've known her since I was five years old. Oh, That's how wow. long she's been in my life. And uh, so she sat there looking at me, waiting for me to say something. But it was like it was an outer body experience. Right. So the doctor came back, and she said, well, I'm going to do a biopsy. And at that time, I never experienced biopsies, didn't know what it was. But she did, and a couple of days, or maybe the next day, she called me, and I remember distinctly I was driving, and I was not too far from UAB. And um, she said, you know, hey, I got your results back. And she said, sounds like you're driving. You want to pull over? And I pulled over, and she did confirm that, you know, it was breast cancer. 
And so she started telling me my options. You know, we can do uh, myo, myo, uh, myo, neck. Well, anyways. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and so I'm, I'm sitting here and I'm, I'm listening. I'm like, you no, still I, trying to process, I'm and trying she's to trying to get all answers out of you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'm like, I, I got to. I was headed someplace, and I was like, uh -huh. I got to go there. You know, I, I'll think about that later. Mm -hmm. And I called my girlfriend, who um, she works at, worked at the uh, Comprehensive Cancer Center at UAB at the time, and so she's like, Oh, Nisa, you've got to come over here. You've got to get your records transferred over to UAB from Brookwood to UAB. And she starts telling me about the, the um, interdisciplinary team of, of my oncologist and the medical doctor and the radiologist and everybody put this plan together for you, designed just for you. And um, I did that. And at the time, I told Ju's mom, and I was like, don't say anything. So this to whole time, he doesn't know yet? No. Wow. And I didn't know how to tell them it and and I was trying to process it and, and at the time I don't think it had really kind of settled with me right and it was one evening I was walking it wasn't too long after that maybe a couple of days or so and I was walking I left from my den to my kitchen and I couldn't remember I said what did I come in here for so I go back to my den I'm standing there and I start walking again I'm like what in the heck did I, am I doing I said okay God okay 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 it's me is not the neighbor, is not my grandmother, is it's me. It's me. And uh yes. And so at the time my son was fourteen and Jude was away, so it was just he and I in the household. And I told God, I said, I choose to live and I choose to walk in your word every day. And I want my son to see what a awesome God you are. And I just I just made my confession to God. And I did every day. I got up with a prayer, a song, and, you know, I told my son, I said, you know, we're, we're going to take this journey together. So I finally told, I, I told my mother-in-law, when I told my mother-in-law, I was like, look, you can't tell Jude right now. Is there yeah. some other information I'm trying to get? I, just hold on. And that was the hardest thing for her. You have to know mm -hmm. my mother-in-law. She's a wonderful lady, but she loves her son. Right. And so when I told him, I finally told him. And he was like, well, what do you want me to do? Do you want me to come home or do I stay here? And, you know, he had, he was about to in a contract. Right. So you break that contract, we're going to have to pay some money. Back. So right. I was like, you know, that wouldn't do any good. And used to sitting there patting my hand and, you know, and not being able to, that's good. not doing any good. So I was like, me and God, we've got this. So reluctantly, um, you know, he said, okay. And he stayed there. But it was it was a total journey. And I, I finally told a small core of people who were working my campaign. Mm -hmm. And there were some women, some dynamic ladies that were running at the time. It was Helen Shores Lee, mm -hmm. um, Agnes Chappelle. Mm -hmm. It was um, Judge Carnella Norman um, and uh, Judge Annetta um, Varon. Mm -hmm. And I told them, I shared with them, because in the morning times we would um, meet at um, Nikki's West for breakfast okay. and, you know, for, you know, just strategy, right. democratic st strategy. And I told them, I said, I'm, I'm about to go through a series of poke and pride tests. So when you see me leave, cause we would meet at seven o'clock or seven 30, something mm -hmm. like that. I said, just pray for me and I'll catch back up with you later on. So, um, and they did just that. And I kept it under wraps. Uh, Martha Bozeman, um, she was with me, uh, mm -hmm. my girlfriend, uh, my my sister-in-law. They would go to my doctor appointments with me. 
but it was it was certainly definitely a journey. Um, I lost my hair. It was three forms of medicines that they give because with with the medicine for cancer, it kills the good stuff right. and the bad and stuff. And the bad, yeah. So I lost. I looked like you, Iva. Yeah. I lost all of my hair, and when I started losing it, I think that was right after uh, the November second or eighth. Um, general election Mm -hmm. and I had already lost and Mm -hmm. so I was going to Mayor Kenneth Gully it was his inaugural ball and I was standing in the mirror and I did like this and it was just like a feather it just a patch of hair came off and I called my son in I was like the process has started and he looked at me and I looked at him I said are you okay he said yes ma'am are you okay I said I'm okay so I went on to the, the ball and of course I was a little preoccupied sure uh, but when I came back, I, I there's a barber friend of mine who's now on the Bessemer City Council. Um, I told him, I was like, look, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to come to you when that time comes, and I'm, I need you to shave all of my hair off. So, And he's a good guy. And I went to his barber shop, and it was late in the evening. He closed all the blinds, and he started shaving. He was like, Miss Watch, Miss Watch, you, you'll just look good with a low haircut. Why don't you just do a low haircut? I was mm-hmm. like, it's going to go. It's going to leave me. Yeah. He's like, no, 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 no. And I just, I said, okay, just do it low. And I got home and I took a shower and I started seeing stuff on the base of the, the floor of the shower. And when I got out of the tub, I looked at my head like a mange dog. The rest so, was starting to come. Yeah. yeah. So my mother-in-law I drove to Montgomery and she shaved me and. Um, I, I mean, it's just like I said, it was a journey. I had a bilateral mastectomy. I had to go through radiation and all of that. And um, I lost my my nail beds. At first they turned dark and then they just came off. I um, had neuropathy. It was a lot of, it was a lot. God reduced me down to my common, the lowest common denominator. And when I came out, I couldn't give anybody praise but him. So um, I just tell people there's a verse um, that I was saying going to the churches before I was diagnosed. And it's, oh, taste and see Mm. how good God is. And blessed is the man that trusts him. And that is one of my favorite verses. So, and here I am. God's grace and mercy. Hello, I'm just going to share with Mark Petway. I need your help. Sadly, many individuals and families in our county are being devastated by domestic violence. Domestic violence is wrong. Love shouldn't hurt. Speak up. Stand up. Together we can prevent domestic violence. We up in here praising God. Yes. I'm telling you, you know, days, days like... And, and when I say days, I'm, I'm just saying time, periods. Mm-hmm. We we go through tough times. And yes. I, I knew you had gone through it. I never heard your story. I feel like I know you even more now. And, you know, we were just talking about the fact that, you know, nobody ever said that these weapons wouldn't be formed against you. Right. Nobody ever said that mm-hmm. the devil wouldn't test you and and try you day in and, and day, day out. out. Yes. But that is when you better look for your praises. For for and and here's the thing that my cousin Courtney and I were talking about today. The devil may steal something from over here and God may bless you over here. 
have nothing to do with each other. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But you're so busy, focused on this bad, you don't realize God just stepped in and said, hey, I'm taking your mind off of that. I'm, yes. I'm making that irrelevant to you. Yes. And if if there's anything that I have matured to mm-hmm. over the past two, three years, it's in truly knowing beyond a shadow of a doubt. Either I'm going to pray and not worry about it, mm-hmm. or I'm going to worry about it and not pray. Right. Right. But you can't do both. You can't do both. You can't do both. <laughs> Look here, we're going to play a little this or that right quick. Okay. What's your favorite charity? Brenda's Brown Bosom Buddies. Yes. That is a cancer awareness organization. And I met Ms. Uh, Brenda Hong. Mm-hmm. And um, I was speaking at uh, one of the other cancer awareness groups, and I was their guest speaker. And afterwards, we started talking. Mm-hmm. And I've just been drawn to that lady and her vision and the things that she, I mean, she's just an outstanding lady. Well, you have just reminded me that we owe each other a date night. Yes. Because Miss Brenda and I, she goes to ratchet clubs with me at night. <laughs> <laughs> She loves it. She loves going to the most ratchet places because she's like, she's, you know, she's seeing life and young people and everything. And I mean, it's the funniest thing. So the next time I take her out on a ratchet date night, I'm going to call you. So that's why she's up so late at night and she's sending out texts and emails because she's coming back from the club with you. That's right. That's right. So we, number one, we got to get Miss Brenda on here. And then number two, we all going to hang out. You're going to be tickled watching her. I'm sure. And and it's so funny because the most just, you know, thuggish gangster dudes be around and she'll just have them around talking and Yeah, it is the funniest thing. So if you choose not to answer one of these questions, she's gonna get a hundred dollar donation from you. But they're easy. Oh, if I choose not to If you to don't answer. answer a question, yeah, that's the then penalty gets- to your cha- to your charity. You have to make a donation. Oh, okay. Yeah, I stick people up when they get here. I see. So let's go. Regents Park or Rickwood Field? Rickwood Field. Botanical Gardens or Railroad Park? Railroad Park. Protective Stadium or Legacy Arena? You got me on that one. Hmm. Legacy Arena. Okay. Crossplex or Legion Field? Now I like the Crossplex. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people choose Legion Field, but you're sleeping on the Crossplex. Well, you know, because Legion Field, I mean, it has a lot of history. I yeah, mean, yeah. a lot of history. But, but I mean. But if, with, you know, um, current sports and like yes. going to see the kids racing and all that kind of stuff. I, I kind of dig the yeah. Crossplex. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Birmingham Zoo or McWayne Science Center? Birmingham Zoo. Sloss Furnace or Vulcan Park? Vulcan Park. Only because I hadn't been to Sloss Furnace in I don't know how long. Okay. (laughs) That's fair. Alabama Theater or Lyric Theater? Lyric is more new and it's nice, but Alabama have a lot of flavor. It's been around for a while. Um... I say I'm gonna say lyric because it's is more update. 
Okay. Civil Rights Institute or Negro League Museum? Civil Rights Institute. Barons or Squadron? Squadron. Legion or Stallions? Who the heck are the Legion? <laughs> the soccer team. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll we we'll just know you going with the stallions all day. Yes, that. yes. <laughs> Alabama or Auburn? War Eagle. I forget that. Ugh. Uh, oh, all right. Oh. Pull the plug. Oh. She get her out of here. <laughs> no. You know my husband is is all about Alabama. Right, He's all right. About right. Roll tide. For, but you you always mess with me. That's why I'm like I uh-huh. can't believe I forgot that. Uh huh. And finally. Biggie or Tupac? Hmm. Man, Tupac. Both of those cats were pretty that was pretty alive. <laughs> no pun intended. Um, <laughs> 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 I'm gonna have to go with Biggie. You go with Yay. I'm go with Biggie. And um who who is just your overall like your favorite rapper? My overall, uh-huh. Jay-Z. Jay-Z. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I know he's not that rapper-rapper, yeah. but he's got that flavor. He can he's do it He's the icon. Oh, man. Yeah. Jay-Z. That's my boy. Well, we talked about the person, right, um, who through life and challenges and blessings and everything ended up as our district attorney now let's talk about what you've done while the district attorney right right as you go in and and we you know the first segment was a little long so we got to wrap quick but i do want to talk about at least two of the things that we've chatted about one of them being the conviction integrity unit Mm -hmm. you seem to be really proud about that i am i am that the conviction integrity unit I started reading about um, people all over the world uh, that were being exonerated Mm -hmm. through programs such as those. And they were, of course, mostly led by black state's attorneys or Mm -hmm. district attorneys, whatever it is, you know, whatever the the word is in your state. Right. But um, I was I was just gravitated to all those stories. and, And you start thinking about people who spend even one night in prison for something that they didn't do. Right. And the fact that you, you're poor and you cannot, um, you don't have enough money to retain counsel. Mm-hmm. So because of your socioeconomic status, you're convicted and because you, and you have no one to help. Right. So um, I started reading a lot of articles on those. And I'm like, that's what I want to be when I grow up. Yeah. You know, and, um, and that was the thing when I, um, when I was elected, um, into the office first it was just an amazing thing because i look at uh from whence i came Mm -hmm. and my my mother had a sixth grade education and my father an eighth grade education so where i am that's not where i'm supposed to be statistically hold your thought one of the things one of the sayings out there Mm -hmm. is you know you are or you want to be your ancestors' wildest dreams. Mm-hmm. My sister, you are our ancestors' wildest dreams. I stand on their shoulders. Praise God. 
I stand on your shoulders. And I promise when I uh, when I was sworn in, I told the community, those who voted for me and those who did not, that I will make you proud. Yeah. And I've not sat on my hands since I've been in office. So um, the Conviction Integrity Unit is um, where you review cases of wrongful convictions. Uh, people assert absolute innocence. And I have a relatively small office, so we don't have the resources and the manpower to really um, look into a vast number of those type cases as like but if you get one one yes if you get one yes and um the great thing about it is not only are we doing it in the Bessemer cutoff it's also being done in Birmingham yeah so um, when I started getting information I met with Barry Shack with uh Project Innocence and um the Innocence Project in New York mm-hmm. got a chance to sit down and talk to him um Brian Stevenson uh, talked to him uh, I mean just just getting information and, and people were like, yeah, you, you should do this because there's nothing like that in the state of Alabama. So but I knew the stars. Probably not to, the South. Well, uh, <laughs> yeah, there, there are some pl- in Florida. Um, OK. Yeah. So there I are would some- think maybe Louisiana. You know, in New Orleans, but I wouldn't have thought many, many yeah. other places. It's not many other places. Or, or in Atlanta, maybe. Yes, but, but yes. Yeah, it ain't many. But with the stars aligned when Danny was mm-hmm. elected in 2018. So not only because the only the, I could only review the cases that occurred in the Bessemer cutoff. Right. So if someone called and, and wanted to apply and they said, well, this happened in Inslee or, um, you know, someplace in, nope. in you know, West End. Can't help you. Uh, can't help you. So and that's not what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. So um, the stars aligned. And, of course, Danny came on board and I was like, this is what we're going to do. Yeah. And it's been wonderful since then. It It takes a while on those cases because. Um, when you when you get those cases, you have to you know vet those cases and make sure that they meet the criteria, um, and then you have to out with every case there's a victim. Yeah. So not only are we looking at you know the case and trying to see what we can do to exonerate this person who has been wrongfully convicted, but you got to bring justice to the people. Who, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And you have to deal with um, it. Maybe that police department that you now have a good relationship with. Mm-hmm. And it's not to poke an eye, your finger in the eye of the police and say, you know, you guys were cricket and you did this and that and the other. But technology has changed over the years, scientific technology. Yeah. So, uh, you know, in way of DNA and all of that. So we establish best practices and we apply them going forward. It's a learning process. What else, if you had to choose one thing, you're going to say, all right, this is what I'm looking forward to, to doing next, your your ongoing projects? So I've been talking about this. At first, I tried to kind of keep it under wraps, but I spoke about it before. So I might as well. I've let the kid out the bag. So anyhow, <laughs> I would love to have a West Jefferson One Place Family Justice Center. Mm. And there is one in Birmingham. Um, there's one in Montgomery, and there are some others around the around the country. But um, what that place is, and they just had a ribbon cutting just recently mm-hmm. in um, in Birmingham. Right. And I'm just so wowed by that by that place. In real have, time. Yeah, yeah. If you have a, a victim of sexual assault or domestic violence, they have a place that they can go one place mm-hmm. and do their report. And, you know, if it's a sexual assault, they can have the examination. Mm-hmm. Um, they can just everything one place. Mm-hmm. And it's just a warm setting that everybody, you know, come together and you have a multidisciplinary team, uh, which consists of police officers, you know, caseworkers and all of that. But 
and they have that in Birmingham. But there's this invisible gulf that only people in Birmingham and Bessemer see that they don't want to cross over. So there are a lot of benefits that can, uh, because this is Jefferson County, um, one place, but they, we, we don't really, you know, go over there and take advantage of those services. So I would love to have a West Jefferson uh, one place, mm. a family and justice center in the Bessemer cutoff. And that will serve those um, victims in um, Bessemer and Fairfield and yeah. Hueytown and Pleasant Grove, parts of Hoover, yeah. um, Lake Cyrus, uh, Ross Bridge, uh, those a lot of those um, subdivisions on Stadium Trace. So mm-hmm. I, I, the Bessemer cutoff. Yeah. The Bessemer cutoff. So th- that is one of the big things that I would love to do. And that's a whole lot of moving parts yeah. and a whole lot of politics and red tape. Yeah. But I'm looking forward to my next term Absolutely. so that I can do just that and some other things. We've been doing things um, moving even during this election, during this campaign. Uh, we've now doing the community food box every second Friday. I learned they were doing really? it in Birmingham. Okay. And I was like, if it's Jefferson County, then why is it not in the cutoff? Yeah. So I started talking to people, and now we have it every second Friday in the Bessemer cutoff in the parking lot across from the DHR building. So people don't have to get out of their cars. Uh, of course, we partnered with Grace Klein, and Carrie Buntain is a wonderful director with that uh, Jefferson County Resource Center. And we give out about 250 boxes, vaccinations, boosters, information. I love it. That's wonderful. I love it. Um, That's wonderful. I've been able to get um, yet another attorney through the Alabama State Legislature. Okay. Um, You know, all our uh, spots, we just, even if we had a grant, if we don't have a spot, we cannot hire a person. Right. So with the increase in crime, um, I put forth a bill uh, through the Alabama State Legislature. And so this session, I was able, I was very modest. I only asked mm-hmm. for one. Mm-hmm. And so um, that went through, and thank God, because I didn't think that it would, but it did. Mm-hmm. And um, one other thing is um, our homicide support group. Again, that was something that was going on in Birmingham. Mm-hmm. And um, now we have it in the Bessemer Cutoff at our partner church, and that is Perfect and Reconciliation. Um, that's Reverend George Blank. So every third Thursday at 530, we have a homicide support group for those people who um, are just trying to move forward and yeah. need counseling. Um, so, yes, um, we, we're doing it. And I love it. I'm, I'm going to be real honest with you. Like, I know you and I know Danny. Mm-hmm. And therefore, I love and trust what you're doing. But going back to something you brought up. A minute ago and I want you to close on this as as kind of like a you know your your piece on this if you will the victims side mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying yes. sometimes the victims get worried about you know all of this talk about exonerating people and this that and the other mm-hmm. is it are they tr- are they worthy of exoneration and this and the, how do you address that because I personally actually am more of a tough on crime type person. I'm, you know, not as bending and, and, you know, whatnot. But when the people involved I trust, I Mm -hmm. I can do that. But but how do you tell people that don't know you personally Mm -hmm. to trust your decisions in these situations? You know, trust is something that you earn. Mm-hmm. And people watch you and and they know it, you can you can say, you know, there are some people say I'm a Christian. Mm-hmm. 
Mm. I'm a Christian. Mm -hmm. But your life portrays something totally different. Mm. And so, you know, is is when people see what you're doing in your heart and, and the things that you do to help people and make a difference, they know it. And, and you know, I um, my office is victim focused. And I tell people, nobody wakes up in the morning and say, hey, I want to be a victim today. Right. You know, that's right. something that they're thrown into and thrust into. And so um, when I was um, one of the assistant DAs at the Bessemer DA's office, and I mm. now serve as the elected DA, I was there for eight years. But um, one of the things I wanted to see was a victim service unit a victim's advocate, somebody there to advocate and, and navigate these victims through the process. Yeah. And um, I was able, when I got into office, uh, there's an office in Birmingham called Office of Prosecution Services, and they um, help all 42 district attorneys in the state of Alabama. Okay. And so they're like a, our hub, if you would. So I started sharing what I would like to have in my office and um, there was a grant. Um, Trisha Melberg, who's the um, assistant director, she put in a grant. The grant was um, approved. And so there were 63, it was a spot for 63 victim service officers around the DA's offices in Alabama. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So um, I was like, yay, we have that. Um, and and those ladies are just dynamic. But before I was able to get that, those ladies, I worked with Vocal in Montgomery, victims of crime and leniency. And uh, Ms. Jeanette Grantham, I told her, you know, I want to have someone here in, in the Bessemer cutoff that navigate these people through the system. Because when I was an assistant DA mm -hmm. and I would go to court and I'm standing before the judge and, and, and the uh, defense attorney, and we're talking about these cases. And I'll, so the family is standing back and, you know, they're not getting it all. And right. so, and, you know, and the decision is made and we walk off and I'm about to go out and walk with, with my family and let them know what happened. And the judge says, Miss um, Miss Powell or Washington, whatever I was at the time, mm -hmm. uh, Powell. And then at that point in Washington, um, come back. We, we, we need the next case. And I'm like, well, Judge, can I talk to my yeah. family for a moment? Like, no, we no, need to we get, this get this docket, docket moving. moving. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, and you look back and your family is like, what happened? What happened? I don't understand. Yeah. So it was important to me to have somebody to uh, be a liaison between the DA's office, the prosecutors and, and the victims and just kind of guide and lead them. Uh, I, I remember a lot of days I would come back to the office and, you know, victims would have called and they may just want to know, when is my court date? Right. Um, they want to know somebody cares. They want to know someone cares. Yeah. So because we now have those victim service officers in, in, in my office, um, we're able to meet the needs of those victims more. I think they, they're often, I mean, they sit in trial with them. Mm -hmm. They go to the preliminary hearings. They hold their hands. They give them tissue and Kleenex, and they wait with that family while they're awaiting a verdict. So that's important to me. Um, and it's important that for second chances, people who have marred backgrounds, that's that's a, that's a crime preventive tool. Giving people a second chance to to be productive, to be um, community, for uh, to be productive citizens in the community. We're having a second chance hiring fair on June thirtieth, um, and that's a crime preventive tool because you may have had a brush with the law, but that doesn't mean that you're a bad person and we should just have you should have the stigma and you can't get a job and you can't take care of your family. What are you going to do? 
Right. You're going so, back to crime. Right. But at the same time, I'm with you. Violent crime, you need to be accountable right. for that. You need to go to prison. Yeah. You need to, you know, do whatever that is proper. But I want to make sure that even in, in um, every case, that justice is balanced. I want to thank my friend and the district attorney in the Jefferson County Bessemer Cutoff, Lanice O. Washington, for joining us. I want to thank you for listening. And as always, a huge shout out to Creed63 and UrbanHam.com. God bless. This podcast has been brought to you by Jefferson County Sheriff's Office.